Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. All right, everyone. This is both a last and a first episode for us, which is super exciting. It is the last episode where we're really going to dive deep into phase four, but it's also the first time that we've completed a phase while we've been a show. So it's a really cool opportunity to us to look at the whole of phase four in a way that we haven't done so far on the show. So I'm super looking forward to it. Just a little bit of a rundown of what you guys are going to hear today. We're going to talk about our favorite shows and movies from phase four, overall thoughts, and then we're going to jump into a little bit of a phase five preview where we're going to talk about our top show and movie that we are most excited to see as we move into the next phase. So as I always do, I'm going to kick it off to Katie, and uh, we're going to start with her picks. Well, first I got to just say, I didn't really, like, you were going on your little spiel, and I'm just going to say it. I never normally fully listen when, when Taylor's doing her opening line. That is just so I'm, like, rude. I'm used. No, I just, like, I'm used to what you're saying. You're opening it up, like, okay, whatever. And then I tune back in by the time you're ready to kick it to me so I know what we're doing. Regardless... <laughs> I was, like, half tuned out when you mentioned the whole, like, this is our first time, like, entering and finishing one phase. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I didn't even think about that. This show was born on the backs of Black Widow and Loki. So, yeah, it it, it is a very memorable moment for us. And I, I'm pretty excited to also then, you know, not this episode. We're not going to talk about this during this. But, you know, end the year of 2022, because that's also going to be our first full year as a podcast. So, I'm sure that'll get mentioned during our final episode of the year as well. But, you know, a lot of memorable and big moments for us. Anyway, I forgot the question. What was I being asked? <laughs> well, in your being rude, you should have maybe listened to me instead of going on and on about how you I don't listen to me, Caitlin. giving you some credit for bringing up something I didn't even think about. But instead, you're making it offensive. <laughs> All right, well, I suppose it's how you read the statement. But anyway... <laughs> no, I just got off topic was more the thing. I got so far down that path that I was like, I don't remember what we were doing. Tell me what were your top two favorite movies, <sighs> because there weren't a ton of them, and then your top two favorite shows for Phase 4. And just so you guys know, we are including the television specials as TV series because they're most like that in terms of length than they are obviously a movie. So if you hear any TV specials pop in there, that's why those are in there. Okay, so I feel like addressing the movie question first, this is hard. And I think it's, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably like, I'm not sure why you think it's hard considering some of the things we've seen this year and where they've been and whatever. But if you really think about it, I mean, Phase 4 encapsulates more than I think we always think it does. So, like, I have to go with Black Widow as one of them. I don't think a Marvel movie, maybe with the exception of Infinity War, has gotten me to cry within the first five minutes of the film like Black Widow did. 
Also, listeners, those of you who have been around, you know my favorite Avenger from the very, very start of, like, me ever even thinking about the Avengers was always Natasha Romanov. I absolutely love Black Widow. So I have to give it to that movie as one of mine. But, you know, the second place spot might have to be shared (laughs) just because it's a little hard to pick between these last two, which is obviously going to be No Way Home. I mean, like, for those of you, hello, that still came out in phase four. I know it feels like forever ago. It was literally like a year ago at this point. I can't even think about that. I know. I know. I don't even want to think, I don't even want to consider it as a as something that's been over like a year old at this point. But I would have to say No Way Home is probably, and this is going to come as a shock that there's going to be a certain movie that didn't make the list here, but I think it would probably have to tie Wakanda Forever for me as my top two and a half of, <laughs> you know, phase four. All right. Well, it looks like we are aligned on phase four with the exception of Black Widow. I think because I don't have the tie to the character that you do. And also I've been a strong critic of the fact that we were watching a movie about a character that was already dead. That was something that even though I thought the movie kind of did its best to avoid, you know, or get around that, I still, it was a really big roadblock for me. And I talked a lot about that, even in the episodes where we were breaking down the film, both in the predictions and reactions so which is fair yeah and you know for that reason black widow is definitely off not in my top two you know i don't think it's a bad movie by any means and to your point that introduction is still something that sticks with me and i am like obsessed with that song you know that was in that it's just uh, just incredible me too i still play it like on repeat like i love that yeah you know it'll pop up occasionally and you're like oh this one still hurts but it's still <laughs> kind of a banger and i don't really know how to feel this mix of emotions yeah so yeah but not my top two but the other two i definitely do 100 percent agree it's gotta be No Way Home, I think, and this is, yeah, probably in this order, No Way Home, just the nostalgia, but the way it was not overdone, the way it was perfectly balanced with a real and raw story. I think you and I talked a lot about how excited we were for the way it set up the future of Spider-Man to be more comic accurate. That's a huge plus for me. As two girls who grew up watching Spider-Man, the animated cartoon was like a big part of our daily routine for a really long time. So, you know, kind of returning to the storylines that we really were familiar with as kids, I think, and opening the door for that is really important for No Way Home. I just really honestly thought the movie was flawless. It still stands up to this day. You know, there's not a lot of things that had to be backtracked from it, other like unlike other TV shows and movies that have had to walk back things around time travel and the multiverse and all that stuff. So gotta be No Way Home for me. And then, of course, number two has to be Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That movie, just for so many reasons, was incredible. I mean, the emotion was unmatched in Phase 4, and honestly, probably in the entirety of the MCU, with maybe the exception of Infinity War, is the only one that I cried that loudly in public, I think. So just the emotion there. I think Ryan Coogler is so incredible as a director. It was beautifully shot. The way he uses music, I think very few other directors in the MCU use it as effectively as he does. Maybe John Favreau and some of the early Iron Mans, because those are still some really iconic shots as well. But You know, Ryan Coogler is doing something really special with this franchise. The performances were incredible. And I mean, I would be very remiss if I put anything in slot number two other than Wakanda Forever. Yeah. And, you know, you said a lot of the things that I I think, especially for Wakanda Forever, we said in the reactions episode. So definitely if you guys 
haven't had a chance to go check that out because I think we could go on all day about the movie itself. And that's obviously been the most recent release. But I have to ask, you know, what's your bottom or bottom two movies? You know, if we're going to really rate phase four and talk about it, I feel like we need to talk about the places where we felt it, you know, fell a little short. No, that's that's a good question. I think, you know, looking at the list, it's actually pretty easy to pick for me. I think, let me just put it this way. There are two that are very, they're good. They're not my faves. I didn't think they were bad enough to be in the top bottom two. And uh, those are Shang-Chi and Eternals. I liked both of them. I'm very excited for Shang-Chi to return. Eternals may be a little less so, but they're both great franchises, great movies. Awesome. That leaves only two more options. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder. And I think if you've been following the show long enough, that really shouldn't be a surprise, you know? As in the terms of Doctor Strange, that movie completely missed the mark in terms of what we were being sold it was. And, like, that's fine. They've done that before. You know, sold us one plot and given us another. That's that's fine. But it did not. It was not. It was not. It just was not. I don't know how else to say it. You know, it was supposed to be this direct ramification to No Way Home. It had nothing to do with No Way Home. It could have come before No Way Home and it would have had zero difference on the plot. It was messy. I even watched it a second time because I was with a friend who hadn't seen it. And I still was like, this still isn't good. Like, I'm sorry. And I know everybody who's out there who's like a Raimi fan and people were really excited to see him come back. And hey, I'll be the first to tell you, I love Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. It is not a Raimi thing. It is just a messy movie that destroys characters, doesn't make sense, complicates the multiverse, and did not give me what it was selling. Now, when, and so I think that has to be my absolute bottom for me for phase four. Wow. Okay. I just, I am vehemently against I'm actually that really film. shocked about that. Really? Yeah. You thought Lo- Love and Thunder was worse because I am vehemently against Multiverse well, of we'll Madness. Get to, we'll get to my thoughts though. All right. All right. Go ahead and explain why Love and Thunder is your now second to last. Yes. In my ranking, Love and Thunder is second to last. I love Thor. I think he was fantastic in Ragnarok, in Inf- mm, Infinity War was okay. Don't get me started on Thor and in Infinity War. <laughs> I know, I know. I was going to say he's fine in Infinity War, and then I thought about the conversations we've had offline. But, you know, Watiti and Ragnarok were, I mean, some of the top tier MCU that still to this day, you know? Yes. And so I was really excited for this. Going into it, we both thought it was going to be pure unfiltered Watiti, and it was, but not in a fun way, in a way that kind of made Thor the butt of his own joke in his own movie, and I hated that, you know? I do tend to gravitate towards more serious stuff, but I liked Ragnarok because it was able to balance kind of a more serious tone with a more lighthearted tone, but not make Thor a joke. And unfortunately, he was a joke in this movie. It was just kind of like a rainbow unicorn vomited on the screen. Like, I just, I have some issues with the characterization of him in this film, and that's why it's got to be, you know, my second to bottom on this one. So, interestingly enough, which I know this isn't a shock to Taylor, but I'm going to share it. We have the same bottom two. I also, and I, and this is kind of what I was referencing earlier, MOM is on that bottom two <laughs> And for me to be, ha- like, having to say that is very hard for me, especially considering once we get to the shows, what I'm going to share is one of my favorites. But I would put Thor last, and I'll, I'll do Thor first. So... I think Ragnarok was perfect, you know? I think everything about it. And I've been seeing a lot more of people saying, you know, Watiti saved Thor, and then he destroyed him. Yeah. 
And, you know, you can go back and listen to our reactions and I can tell you that my tone might sound a little differently because I think I walked out of that movie and I was like, I'm just glad we're not, like, after MOM, after thing, like a show like Moon Knight that was very serious, dark, I was really like, I like the little bit of comic relief we got. Like, I really enjoyed it. I was here for it. I, I enjoyed not having all that darkness, you know? Of course, then I sat on it, then I thought about it, then I watched it again. And upon watching it again, and it's always that second rewatch that I think is what really tells you how you feel about a movie, I was like, yeah, this went too far. And to Taylor's point, you know, Thor was the butt of his own movie, like the joke of it all. And that was and will be once we get to one of the replay episodes that covers Endgame going to be one of my big complaints about Endgame because I cannot stand Thor's characterization between Infinity War and Endgame absolutely cannot stand it. Well, and not to mention one of the things we were having a conversation, we actually saw each other in person this weekend, which is kind of rare for us. But we were talking this weekend about how we felt that in some ways, Love and Thunder was actually stepped back in his characterization. Specifically, I was thinking about that scene at the very beginning where he talks about not root, like he's talking to the local people who's trying to save with the guardians and he completely destroys their sacred temple. And he just like acts like it's no big deal. And all I could think about was that is so Thor, Thor, like Thor from like the original Thor movie. Yeah. When he goes to the frost giants. Exactly. Like the guy who just doesn't care. He just wants to fight. He just, you know, it's the empathy is missing. And I think we spent so much time watching him grow the empathy. And then for him to like be like such a buffoon that he like, you know, doesn't have it anymore. It's like, okay, you just completely ruined this character that we watched for 10 years grow into someone who you could admire. And that's really disappointing. Well, and I think there were plenty of times. Yeah, I laughed. There were plenty of times I laughed. However, there were plenty of times I was like, ew. And I know that was supposed to be a joke, but like, ew. Like, I just, it didn't, yeah, it didn't land. And I thought, honestly, like, Gore was such a great villain. I will always stand with that. I think he's still one of my absolute favorite villains, especially of Phase 4. But I also just felt like him coupled with the version of Thor we got, it was like almost unfair. Like, I was like, how are you going to, like, and I know we compared Gore a lot to Killmonger. And you gave me a, a good hero in the form of T'Challa. Yeah. Versus I felt like the hero against the villain. I was sitting there and I was like, I hope the, the villain freaking wins. Like, I was like, I... Well, yeah, you have someone in T'Challa, to your point, who is someone you want to emulate, someone who is earning your respect, you know, who just is regal in that way. And Thor, who is born to be a king, comes off. As a jester or a buffoon. And I didn't enjoy it. And honestly, one of the worst scenes for me, why were all the kids suddenly fighters? That entire last fight scene really, like... Bizarre. Yeah. So, you know, sitting on it, and especially when you compare it to the other movies of this phase especially, like, I'm sorry, but I'm an Eternals lover. I've been very vocal about that. I love Eternals. I just don't think it quite makes, to Taylor's point earlier, that top two, two, three movies, but it's a solid right in the middle. Same with Shang-Chi. You know, I, I really enjoyed both of them. I just don't think they make that top moment. But Thor just fell flat. And then I don't even think I need to get too far into what my anger with MLM, <laughs> like, I have now watched the movie three times. I'm not gonna lie, it's becoming a slight comfort movie solely because I love Wanda and the Scarlet Witch, but besides that, I wouldn't watch it. 
I watch it for her and her only. I can quote all her lines. That's the only reason I'm watching this movie at this point. And it's a Doctor Strange film, which is what disappoints me. Because I love Doctor Strange. He earned a lot of my respect in Infinity War. Yeah. I really, really started to like him during that. And... I just sat there and I was like, my guy, you took a backseat in your own film. Well, and not to mention, I think his character, too, was another one that was kind of demolished. Like, I don't know. I don't like the direction he was taken. And I understand he's supposed to be like a jerk. Like, you know, that's who Stephen Strange is. But I think even at the end of his own first solo film and then throughout some of his appearances throughout the MCU, even in, you know, even in Ragnarok, for example. Yeah. You could see him maturing, taking it more seriously. You know, in, in Endgame, too, yes, there was a little bit of hubris there, of course, thinking he could help Peter, but he genuinely wanted to help. And there was a sense of growing empathy within him that did not exist in his first film when he was very cold. It was all self-centered. But then again, like, I don't know, in this film... It just, it completely, it's not even that it undid that. It just didn't do anything. He just was stagnant. I just felt like the film, there were just a lot of moments in the film that fell really flat. And I know I talked about one of those being the cameos. The cameos were just there to be cameos. I felt that. That I just, there wasn't a single part of me that sat there and was like, oh my god. Like, yeah, it was cool to like see who showed up and everything. But honestly, the best scene for me, well, everybody knows my favorite scene of this movie. <laughs> but my best scene, but truly, was when the Scarlet Witch bodied the entire Illuminati. But then again, it was like, when you really look at it, you were like, so why'd you bring the Illuminati in if you were just going to have the Scarlet Witch body them all? Yeah. Like, when you really think, and, and this is, uh, and I I know I said this in our reactions, which reminding everybody, we had to have two episodes to react to this film because of how just like off the mark we thought it was. But I remember I had watched it with my roommates and I remember them walking out and they were like, oh my God, that was so good. And they're like mild Marvel fans, like not anywhere close to where I'm at. And I genuinely... I could have put on a whole presentation pretty much is what I did. I sat there in our apartment for two to three hours explaining throughout the entire film all the plot issues and all the character development issues that I had with it. And by the end of it, they were like, you know, when you really explain all of that, yeah, that was a really bad movie. And I was like, exactly. Like, just for, you know, continuity and everything, there were just a lot of holes, a lot of things I didn't like. And I was really, and I said it before and I'll say it again, I was surprised at how much it tied into, you know, Infinity War and Endgame things when I felt there were much like bigger things that might have happened since. It just felt really weird. And I I feel like the Doctor Strange movies are hopefully don't continue down this road because this one felt like it was just cleaning up. Yeah. So that one, I'm still, I'm not going to put that at the dead last. Thor was still my most and biggest disappointment of Phase 4, but... MOM, well, it really disappointed me. I got Scarlet Witch era. I got so much from her. I'm happy with that, and I will live on that. But yeah, so I'm going to have to put those two last as well. All right. Well, category one, we agree. I have a feeling that's not going to happen so much in category two because it's a much (laughs) wider field. Much wider field. So you go first because I'm truly like still debating what my two what's two and what's gonna just get eked out of top two so you go first okay i solidly shows are not a problem for me i know what my faves 100 percent, my top two wandavision and the falcon and winter soldier not even within question does it help that i love wanda and bucky 100 percent, 100 percent. but i will say that isn't the reason that i'm choosing these two I thought WandaVision compared to all of the shows, 
stands out the most. I think it just blows all the shows out of the water, no matter how good they are or questionably good they are. I, I just think what it did, the honestly, it was like a cultural reset moment. It like really I feel was. like Yeah, I mean, the way people just tuned into it, the way we all talked about it, like I never felt more connected to some of the Marvel fandom than I did during that time, just because it was like constantly online. Everybody had their theories, their thoughts, you know, it just was ongoing and honestly was part of the reason this you know podcast and blog even got created way back in the early days but i i I just i don't think you can emulate what wandavision did it it had us for lack of better words shook like (laughs) we were everywhere with it the falcon and winter soldier i also put in my top obviously because it dealt with some real life things that i think we don't always address Um, We didn't have a chance to cover the show while we were like a full podcast. We will eventually do it in a replay, which I'm excited for. But I think, you know, the depth of that show, we don't get a lot in Marvel. Um, We don't get some of the conversations that came out of that show the way we do. And um, I really just, it it was a powerful show to watch. And it was the only show that had me falling to the ground, literally throwing myself out of a chair at the finale. Like, I was all over the place. I was living my best life. So it's still, like, my biggest highlight. And then I just have to mention the one that didn't quite make the top would actually be Moon Knight for me. Wow. I know. See, that's the only one that surprised me. Your first two I could have called, and I just didn't know the order. But Moon Knight surprises me. No, I had to really think about it. But I went into Moon Knight not knowing much about the character, and I kind of liked that. I also, you know, I talked very passionately about the DID that we saw in the show and the mental health issues that we were seeing because I have quite an interest in that. I studied psych as part of, you know, my time in school. So I really liked that aspect of it, but I also just really enjoyed the character. It was... uh out-of-the-box character that, for me, I didn't know the character prior to it being announced and everything else and the research we did for the predictions. And honestly, I just thought it was so well done. I loved watching it. I really enjoyed tuning in every week to see Moon Knight. So I don't for a second think that it wouldn't have made my top two if WandaVision and the Falcon and Winter Soldier hadn't like been such strong hitters at the very beginning of Phase 4. But that is my like honorable mention of the TV shows. All right, so I've been going back and forth. I finally made my picks. My number one show, and I think this is both surprising and not surprising, is Hawkeye. Oh, wow. Because it was actually our top show of last year. And truly, like, when I think about watching that show... I'm not gonna lie, I forgot Hawkeye existed. (laughs) Well, I'm staring at a list right now, so that definitely helps. Smart. But (laughs) I think, you know, when I think about watching that show, I think about how much fun we had. Kate Bishop, I think... Seeing that side of really getting to dive deep into Hawkeye, obviously the introduction or reintroduction, depending on how that shakes out of Kingpin, the introduction of Echo, being set in New York City, which as many of you know is my home. There's just a lot of, you know, at Christmas time especially, is just super fun. So there's just a lot of things I really enjoyed about that show. And so I think for that reason, it's got to be my number one. I just thought it was probably the most solid show all the way through. So that's my number one. My number two is actually WandaVision. 
You know, I think for a lot of the reasons that Katie mentioned, it just, it really was like a cultural moment. You know, it was during the pandemic. Everybody was stuck at home. We were just starting to get vaccinated, but it was still kind of that return to a monoculture that we had during 2020 and early 2021 and where everybody was kind of all watching the same thing at once and talking about it. And this was something that really stood out during that time. We were home. We got to watch it together. You guys all know Davis. We used to call Davis after, you know, the episodes. And that was just like a really fun memory and a fun time. And and truthfully, you know, having rewatched it ahead of MOM, it still holds up. It's still so fun. It's still, you know, got so much different from all the other so- shows just the style and everything. So that's definitely got to be my number two. And then my honorable mention is actually Werewolf by Night. Okay. I thought that was such a solid show or special presentation, I guess. You know, I think it was like WandaVision, actually very tonal in the sense that it was emulating something from the past. You guys know, I mentioned this a million times, Gael Garcia Bernal. I love him so much. So to see him in that character, I think too, it also opens up a whole new section of the MCU that we haven't explored before and that we will probably get to explore as we move into like a Midnight Suns coming forward, uh, which isn't confirmed yet, but I think we all kind of know it's percolating. So I think that's got to be my honorable mention for the shows. See, I actually have to say your honor. Well, okay. Your number one only surprised me because I forgot Hawkeye existed. (laughs) I did love Hawkeye, but I think for as far as still, I'm going to keep Moon as my honorable mention, just because like I said, it was different. You know, it, it stuck out in a lot of different ways for me. But I am a little surprised because I I was expecting Moon Knight somewhere on your list. Just because I know your love for Oscar Isaac and also you really liked Moon Knight. So I'm actually a little shocked on that one. I know. I think it just, it wasn't what I expected. And I don't know what I expected, but it just wasn't that. I don't know. And maybe I think at the time I was excited about stepping away from the MCU, but then like knowing it had like completely no connection other than like a few words here and there, like about Madripoor. I don't know. There was just something about it that like is keeping it from being like one of those things that I look back and I was like, those were the days. Whereas like WandaVision, I look back so fondly. Same thing with Hawkeye. And then Werewolf by Night, I was just like, like, I think you you guys have heard our reaction to that. I literally was like, I don't know that Marvel's put out anything better than this. Just quality wise, like that one is just so top tier. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was with Moon Knight. I'm ex- I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to see Oscar Isaac reprise his role in another way. Maybe if he's you know, teaming up with other characters. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There's just something about it that couldn't quite, couldn't quite get there for me. That's fair. That's fair. Well, now I got to ask the question, which I'm looking forward to hearing Taylor's answer. Everyone knows mine. What was your least favorite show of these four? I do know yours. Everyone knows mine, but I'll go off on it when it's my turn. (laughs) This is going to surprise no one, I think. It's what if for me. Okay. Because even though, and some of the shows are, or some of the episodes are real bangers, like eight and nine are like super solid. Yeah. But I struggle with not being live action and I'm always going to struggle with that. And so even though there are definitely some shows on here that I was like, ooh, like, did I love that? What if is still always going to be my like almost cop out answer because I'm like, I don't want to see like I my preference is always going to not be animation fair and nothing against animation it's just I prefer live action yeah fair okay so cracking my knuckles here 
No surprise to anybody, my least favorite show on Phase 4 was Loki. <laughs> so, you know, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier obviously were high on my list for all the reasons I mentioned, plus the fact I obviously love Wanda and Bucky. I love Loki, too. You know, my top four, I've mentioned them before. Loki's one of them. I mean, my list is growing, but my original top four, Loki's one of them. I went into this show with so much hope and expectation. Not even like I expected certain things, just like I know Loki, you know, and I was just looking forward to, you know, seeing him be Loki. And WandaVision, the Falcon Winter Soldier had hit it so well. I just, I had such high hopes going into that show. And, um, you know, I've said it before, it was extremely disappointing. It was disappointing as far as somebody who's been a Loki fan for as long as I have, seeing them just kind of unravel his character in, like, a very weird way. I hated the Sylvie storyline. Don't know. I mean, like, just everything that went about in that show, I felt like took away from Loki himself, which was upsetting to me because I thought I was getting a show about him. Um, And instead I got a weird female version of him, which I was like, okay, I don't care. I understand the repercussions of it. I understand the whole, like, you know, he who shall not be named kind of vibe. I get that. He who remains. I don't know. Am I thinking Voldemort? Yeah. (laughs) As soon as I said it, I was like, this could be Voldemort. I was like, why does that sound wrong? And then I was like, wrong franchise. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's okay. They all like run together. Kang, I'm, I mean, he's not technically Kang, I guess, in Loki, but he is also like he's not actually named Kang. I understand those repercussions. I just felt like the show itself was all over the place. I felt like each episode, it was like, we're getting somewhere. And then it was like, never mind. And it just kind of kept going like that. And I just. I was like, okay, this is not good. The first two were very solid. Yeah. And then it dropped off hard. Literally when Sylvia appeared. Yeah. And like, look, like nothing against Sophia DiMartino, but no, like not at that all. whole I love thing, her. like she was fantastic. That's a hard to come in and put your own spin on a character that's been around for 10 years and is as iconic. I mean, you go girl, right? But her character was unnecessary. That, and it it was more that they, because they made her the main character, that's what upset me. Yeah. Like, she was great as a variant of Loki. I appreciated that. Like, I, and and to your point, the actress is, is amazing, and there's nothing against her performance that's the problem. It's just she was unnecessary, and she became the main character, and I just was like, Okay, I get she is technically a Loki, but then if you were just going to do this, why even include the other Loki? Like, our Loki? Because at this point, I'm just, like, watching a show about her. Yeah. It, like M.O.M., sold me a show that was going to be all Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not what M.O.M. sold me, but it, it sold me one thing and gave me another. Yeah. And Loki sold me a Tom Hiddleston Loki show and then gave me a Sofia DiMartino Loki show. Yeah. Not what I expected or really wanted. Like, if you're going to pass the torch, like, pass it, but then they also didn't pass it. Yeah. Instead, they're, like, weirdly in love with themselves. It's just, there, there's there's so much wrong on a lot of levels. And then on top of that, I have to say, and this is just, like, picking apart slightly, but, like, something that will never sit right with me is that desk drawer scene where he opens the drawers and it's all the Infinity Stones and he's just like, we use them as paperweights. I literally was like, okay, I'm sorry, but you just built three phases. You built a dynasty off of the Infinity Stone saga. 
and you're like completely making a joke of them. Like you literally killed characters for these stones. Yeah. And like that puts, I think that was like the moment of like, oh, like this is not going to go where I think this is going. Like, Like, is this show going to be okay? Or is this show going to be something that I'm not going to (laughs) like? Yeah. I I think that was like a red flag, but I blew past it because I was like Loki, <laughs> and I just was like it's fine. And then it just got worse. But like that moment just deeply upset me. Just especially uh, part of it being Black Widow is obviously one of the characters who died for a stone. But like, so did Loki in some. I mean, not specifically a stone, but like also, yeah, he did kind of the Tesseract. Yeah, he did. He's pretty much sacrificed himself for that. I forgot. I think I blacked that part out and then I, like, did not think about it. Well, and then Wanda had to kill Vision for one. Like, I was like, my guy, like, this, this, like, the trauma you've caused me over these stones and then having to watch Bucky disintegrate first and then (laughs) everything else that happened. And I was like, and now you're sitting here making a joke of them. Like, one, too soon if you're gonna do it. And two, I was just like, this is already gonna be bad. Like, I was like, something, red flags. And so, obviously, like I said, no surprise, Loki's not it for me. That is my least favorite show of Phase 4. I could never watch it again. I'd be happy. All right. Well, that is our it for our Phase 4 review. And now we're going to pivot into a quick Phase 5 preview and the top two movies and top two shows that we are most excited about. We were originally going to do one of each, but I quickly changed my mind to do two because this is going to be so fun. Like, so fun and I couldn't pick two and I'm still gonna have honorable mentions because I really just want to put the whole of phase five on my can't wait list because I don't think I know you're gonna say there's a mulligan but I don't think there's a single mulligan in phase five I actually personally there's two for me oh yeah wait no there is two I mean no sorry I don't think one of them's a... Okay, let's just say our mulligans really quick. Okay, so as far as movies, the Marvels. Yeah, same. Shows, no one's going to be surprised considering what I just said, Loki season two. Yeah, okay. See, I think the only mulligan for me is the Marvels. I'm so excited for Loki season two. Marvel likes to take feedback, so, you know, maybe they'll fix some things, so give it a chance. Fair, just like in comparison to everything else I'm looking at. I think just because of what happens, it's like one of those things where like I I have a little bit of knowledge, so I'm like, it could be bad versus like some of the others. I don't really have any knowledge of because they're going to be brand new. So it's kind of like, well, how can you judge them? You don't know. Yeah, I think, though, I am not as unexcited for the Marvels as I thought I was. Now that we've seen Monica and Kamala in action, This is going to sound terrible, but knowing that Carol Danvers is a little bit diluted by other characters makes me more excited. Yeah, that's fair. Look, I know a lot of the hate around that character is specifically directed at Brie Larson. I don't have a problem with Brie Larson. Also, her Twitter's hilarious for anyone who follows her. Sometimes it just makes me laugh out loud and brings me a little seed of joy. So nothing against Brie Larson, but that character is so just like, meh she has like no personality yeah she's completely invincible i just am not invested in the slightest however i think kamala's incredible monica's a baddie and i'm so excited to see them in this film so i could be less excited for the marvels you know if it was just a solo captain marvel sequel but i'm feeling a little better yeah just like in comparison to everything else slated for phase five. Oh, for sure Definitely on the bottom. But let's get our favorites out there. All right. So 
I don't even think I really even almost need to go through mine because as soon as the phase five slate came out, we, you know, obviously we covered it. I said from the get go what my movies were, but I don't think I mentioned my honorable mention. So we'll still go through them. Obviously, top two, Thunderbolts, Captain America, New World Order. Boom. No need to explain that for who I am. There's no explanation needed for why those are going to be my top two. My honorable mention I will give to Ant-Man. Ooh, what an interesting choice. Yes, and that is mainly because I think this movie is going to usher in what we're seeing in Phase 6. I think it's the big entrance point. I think we've gotten a lot of hints at multiversal things, hints at Kang. We've seen, you know, the things coming and and little, like, puzzle pieces. I think Quantumanium is just going to blow it wide open, and then they're going to force us to sit on it for most of the rest of Phase 5. And then we're going to hit phase six really freaking hard. So I'm that's my honorable mention just because I'm expecting it to be a lot. And not to get my expectations high, but I truly am expecting a lot from it in the sense of what I've already seen in the trailers and what I think is coming with it. I, I think it's going to be a really important movie moving forward. I think that's definitely a good point. For me, that doesn't give it enough to go into my top. My top so hard i'm really excited about blade but also the thunderbolt so i'm gonna kind of put them in like one and two together in no particular order i think maharshala ali is gonna be fantastic in the role of blade i also having seen the wesley snipes version for the first time last year think it's just like an interesting character I'm excited to see how he fits into the MCU. I think we're going to start to see characters who have relationships in the comics introduced. You know, that's something I'm excited about. And I just think it's going to be really fun and fresh and different. And I'm really pumped for that one. Tied with it is then, of course, the Thunderbolts. I think this is just going to be so fun. I mean, the way David Harbour's talking about it. We love Florence Pugh. She's a queen. There's just going to be, and I like too that, you know, one thing I think we've talked a lot about just in general with Marvel is like their kind of inability to like develop secondary characters sometimes. So it's kind of almost like cleaning up all of these secondary characters and giving them a movie where they can actually shine like Ghost. Like, did anybody really think about what happened to her after Ant-Man 2? Like, No, but now she's going to get a whole movie where she gets to be one of the main characters versus just this misunderstood villain. So, like, it's really cool to see these kind of secondary characters get their chance to shine in more of a hero role. Now, my honorable mention is got to be Captain America New World Order. I think that movie is going to be such a fun return to some of the tones that we had in the early MCU before we got really wicked and wild out in space and in the quantum realm and in the multiverse yeah and i think it'll be almost like a nice i don't know like reprieve almost yeah exactly and it'll be nice to just like get deep into like cia espionage and like that corner of the mcu that other than secret invasion which is also in phase five we really haven't gotten as much into recently as you know obviously it was really heavy in phases one and two so I'm excited to return to that. I also, you know, seeing Mackie in his first true outing as Captain America, it's going to be so fun. It's going to be awesome. His suit's ridiculous. And uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Well, and and that's why, like, those are my top two. 
in a heartbeat. I love that stuff. You guys know I love that stuff. So I'm excited for what's to come. And I'm so excited that they're the back-to-back movies. Like, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about shows. What are your top two shows that you're expecting from Phase 5? I literally just want to pick all of them. Like, I'm staring at the list, and it is so difficult. I think they're so varied, and there's so many characters that I am so deeply interested in that I, like, don't even know what to say as my second. We all know what my top is going to (laughs) be. I am so excited for the return of Daredevil. Like, it's going to be insane if anybody's seen the videos of Charlie Cox training for it. They're amazing. Like, I am just so excited. I loved that show. I cannot wait for him to be back, especially tied to the MCU. Getting that little tease of him in She-Hulk was incredible. I hope that we get to see them together because I ship them so hard. I'm just really excited about Daredevil. (sighs) My second is like so difficult. This is so tough, guys. This is so tough. I'm sitting here. I have both picked and my honorable mention. I am solid over here. (laughs) No. Okay, because here's the thing. Agatha House of Harkness is going to be awesome. And it's going to be such a fun continuation of WandaVision But I am so interested in Ironheart because Riri is awesome. And Echo was amazing in Hawkeye and Secret Invasion is going to like blow everybody's mind. So it's like each one of these shows has something so important that they're bringing to the table. But now that I've said all these things, it's helped me coalesce my feelings. Notice how you completely skipped over Loki season two. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I didn't say it was a mulligan because I think that there's some hope that they'll fix it. Does that mean that I think it deserves to be in the echelon with all of these others? No, okay? Number two, Secret Invasion. I'm excited to bring back Nick Fury. I'm excited to get back into the espionage. And I also just think the Secret Invasion storyline is so amazing. And I'm really, really excited to have my mind blown by who we thought was one of our characters and is actually a scroll. Like, I think that that show is going to be filled with, like, audible gasp moments. And I'm really, really excited about that. Now, my honorable mention, and this is really tough because, like I said, I think all three of the remaining shows outside of Loki are going to be amazing. Not that I don't think Loki has the potential to be amazing, but the other ones have a little bit of a head start. I'm going to go with Echo. I think because she is related to Daredevil, I'm excited about that. I think she was awesome in Hawkeye, and I am just really, really excited for that show. So I think that's going to have to be my honorable mention. All right. So I'm going to go with Secret Invasion, which I don't think is a surprise. And I'll go with Daredevil for my top two. Yes! Now, it's been no secret I haven't seen the Netflix Daredevil. It's on my list. We're working towards it. But... I was binging Stranger Things for a while. Now Wednesday is out. Like, there's so many things coming out that I'm watching, I'm stuck on, that I keep, like, you know, getting Daredevil thrown further and further back. Because sometimes I just don't want to watch, like, gore. You know? Like, sometimes I just want a comedy. So I have to say, though, my my love for him has festered in, you know, when he made his appearance in No Way Home, but specifically in She-Hulk, I really fell for the character. So I'm most excited about him, you know, coming fully into the MCU so that we have the ability to kind of use him in relation to other characters like we saw in She-Hulk. So I'm really ready for that. And then this probably shouldn't be a surprise that Agatha House of, well, actually, wait, which one is it? It's Coven of Chaos now, isn't it? Oh, did I call it House of Harkness? I, I don't know, but I almost did. 
I forgot. Yeah, I think it's Coven of Chaos now. That's also on me. I totally forgot. And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, those look like C's, but it's really tiny. So I can't tell. (laughs) But I think that's going to have to be my honorable mention. To your point, continuing the WandaVision storyline, going back into Agatha a little bit more. But I'm really excited about some of the people who we have been seeing being casted or rumored to be in the show. We've had both of Wanda's sons, an older version of them, being rumored to be in this. We've had Wanda herself being rumored to appear in at least one episode. So I think I'm really excited to see where this takes us. Obviously, I don't super expect to see too much magic elsewhere in the slate of for Phase 5, so I think this is going to be that big magic kind of vibe for this uh, next phase, and I'm excited to see who shows up, where it furthers that that line, because, you know, we've talked a lot about the different lines, the cosmic, the on the ground, all the different places we're seeing heroes, and this is really the only one that's going to be in its category for phase five. So it'll be exciting, because I think it's going to have to set some sort of ground for whatever phase six brings us in the realm of magic. And I'm just, I'm pumped to be there. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a wrap on our phase four reactions. Now that we are closing the book on phase four, we are opening the book on phase five. So welcome into phase five, everyone. This is your official welcome from Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories. We are very excited to jump into all of it. Of course, no new content until 2023. So we're going to do a few fun things that Katie's going to list out in a second until we get new content. But if you are excited to follow us into Phase 5, you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and also like and follow the blog. We have lots of extra supplemental content there as well. And you can also check out our merch store on Redbubble if you are looking for any holiday gifts. Make sure you guys are also following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. All the blogs, all the episodes, news, everything is up there. So make sure you guys are giving us a follow. And as Taylor said, we're going to be going onto a little bit of a content pause from Marvel until Quantumania comes out. So in the meantime, we'll be doing our episodes every two weeks like we usually do when content kind of lulls down. Our last episode, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, of 2022 will be us covering the year of 2022. So obviously this was for phase four. This next episode will just be for 2022 shows and movies. So make sure you guys are keeping an eye out for that. And then we'll have some fun stuff coming in January and February prior to Quantumania. We'll probably be getting back into some of those replay episodes that we, you know, mentioned so often, but we haven't had a chance to do (laughs) so much Marvel content this year, which we're not complaining, I promise. Just haven't had a chance to keep up with that. So we'll definitely be able to put some more of those out for you guys as well. So in the meantime, if you guys have missed anything in Phase 4, now that it has wrapped up, go back, make sure you guys are watching all of it, and make sure you guys are keeping up with all of our episodes that go with everything as well, because Marvel just blew your mind, so let's talk about it. (laughs) 